Hello and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. I'm John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we're looking at Minute 67, which begins with Brett continuing into the landing claw room and ends with Brett standing under a stream of water. And once again, we welcome filmmaker and visual effects artist and Emmy nominee, Bruce Brannett. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back. What you nominated for? Uh, I did a little visual effects work on 11-22-63 last summer. It's the James Franco Bad Robot Stephen King miniseries on Hulu. So you go into the show? Um, well, I kind of call them the nerd Emmys. They're the night or the week before. They're the creative arts Emmys, which this year the the ceremony was so long that they've divided it into two nights. Oh, my gosh. Because there's only so many more editorial awards that most people can sit through. But um, So, yeah, September 10th, coming that'll be, up. That'll be fun. That'll be really fun. Um, all right, so this minute uh, begins with Brett moving further into that room. We talked a little bit about the, the chains. Um, and he comes into this really great Harry Dean Stanton close-up and calls out for Jones just to remind us that that's why he's right. walking around by himself in this in this room. But it's such a great shot of his face. Well, it's a great face. I mean, there's not, <laughs> you can't really mess up that face. Uh, it's perfect. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you say it's there to remind us what he's doing because I kind of think he needs to remind himself what he's doing as this goes along. Because yeah. um, as we move into the scene, Brett takes a long respite here in his journey. <laughs> As the water is dripping down. And I actually kind of think maybe for a little while there, he kind of forgot what he was doing <laughs> in that room. Well, he well, certainly feels at home. Yeah, he comes down here regularly, I guess, and showers down here. It could be. <laughs> that could be where he showers. I mean, we haven't seen the you know crew quarters or the, the restrooms on the stream. We're not really sure how they yeah. go about that. I, I kind of suspect, though, that he's down there a lot doing maintenance and maybe... He just gets lost because he's such a brilliant engineer. He's looking around. He's looking up at that landing claw, and he's just postulating all these engineering scenarios, like how to fix this, how this could be more efficient. And, you know, that's really his wheelhouse. Looking for cats isn't really uh, Brett's forte, I don't think. And that is a handheld shot looking up at the landing gear. So we can probably argue that this is his point of view, right? It's a googly view, googly yeah. eye view, yeah. Talked last time a little bit about it being, you know, haunted house and uh you know uh, the spooky ship and i think as an audience the last thing you want your person in jeopardy to do is not feel like they're in jeopardy and then call out to a stupid cat when you know somewhere in there it's just drawing the bad guy or the alien toward him so the whole calling out i think serves a double purpose it's like reminds us what he's doing but at the same time he's sending out a please come eat me signal right. to whatever is hiding in that room. Aliens like, why are you calling me Jones? <laughs> Jones, is that my name? I, I was just born. I was I don't just know. born. Is that what my name is? Okay, <laughs> everybody call me Jones. <laughs> I will say that uh, according to Harry Dean Stanton, this shower was his idea entirely. This was an improvisational moment. Ridley Scott had set up, you know, the, the set designers and everything had set up this dripping water um, element to the to the set. But he sort of, you know, you can you can picture Harry Dean Stanton doing this back on the farm. For if it's raining, go get that hat good and wet, and get your face under there and wash off. And apparently, he improvised this, and Ridley Scott loved it, and so he kept it in. Oh. But I never thought about. So if that's true, it's clearly not an intentional thing. But does this make us think a little about Psycho, um, or at least the trope of the helpless in the shower moment in the horror movie? I never really thought about it till just now, but. 
it is kind of a trope of horror movies, a little. specifically Psycho, where I'm, you're helpless, right? When you're in this moment, you're lost in the. It it, it plays it plays many ways too. There, I think there's a there's a nature of we mentioned last time about this feeling like a sacrificial altar a little bit from yeah. that long dolly shot, and you know the last thing that's done usually is the cleansing or the washing. Sure. You know, water plays an element in. Yeah, I've never been a part of a sacrificial ceremony myself, oh, me but I, apparently a water plays a part of that. Well, yeah, there's no music either, which I guess we could also equate with the lead up to Psycho because the music only starts when the knife starts flying, right? Right. So there's no underscoring. And I remember the first time I saw the movie, one of the, they say you take seven or eight strong memories out of a movie right after you walk out of it, right? And one of the ones that I remembered was the sound of the water on his hat. When he puts that hat back down and it's just pop, 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 pop. It's, it's really immediate, you know? And it's not a sound that arguably I've ever heard in a movie before. I don't know. At right. that point, I hadn't. I'd never heard yeah. water bouncing off of a, of a shipman's crew hat. So there's yeah. something really really yeah. hypnotic about it. Yeah, and this, right. this whole minute is only made up of three shots, 20 seconds walking in with Harry Dean's face, 10 seconds with the handheld shot looking up, and then the entire rest of the 30 seconds is him standing there under that water in that long, interrupt, uninterrupted take. Yeah. And I think, if not intentionally at all with the, the psycho trope you mentioned, there is something that if water is splashing on you, you're blinded. You're kind of in a very vulnerable spot. And with yeah. the, the, the cutting and camera, the shot selection in the previous minute, we got just this gut sense. We don't know it, but we feel it, that there's something up. So just looking up into that water is, is just such a vulnerable spot. And then he puts his hat on and he walks away. Nothing happens. Again, it's just pulling that. It's, it's <laughs> right. just withholding the tension further and further. Well, as the movie progresses, though, if you think about it, the the deaths are often playing with a vulnerability. Like there's no... You know, not to get too far ahead, but there's really not a moment where a character is prepared or defensive in their death. They're always very vulnerable. Yeah. And I think evoking, I, I wonder if it went through really Scott's mind when he was in the editing room and he had this footage to work with. And he went, this is great. This is Marion Crane in the shower. That's exactly what Hitchcock put her in the shower for. Why she's naked in the shower, mm -hmm. all those things. And we'll talk more about nudity and vulnerability later in the movie too but that's exactly what you just get that sense there's all these these little uh evocative moments where you're just wondering yeah it's not on the nose playing with that idea but it does make you think about it for a moment or maybe it makes you feel it in the moment when you're, you're not even able to articulate that at the time that you're watching it yeah i think the only crew member that fights back in way way ahead is parker gives it a shot he tries i moment. guess you're right but that's that the, he's somewhat he's the helpless last, too in a the way. last man down though so it's uh, they're holding that until far far into the movie yeah. and in a way he's vulnerable because he's at the mercy of another person's vulnerable like complete in action yeah so anyway we don't have to that's getting way too ahead uh we should talk i guess about the director's cut then because we're extolling the virtues of this long uninterrupted take of the water and brett but if you look at the 2003 director's cut, there are some significant differences. You want to talk about those, John? Sure. I'll, I'll give my little my own personal history with these changes. In 2003, when the movie came out, this would be the first time I ever saw the movie in, on the big screen, was the director's cut as it was released. And I'd seen the movie numerous times before, mostly on VHS, maybe a couple times on DVD at that point. And um, as I was watching this scene, and this, this moment gets chopped up, the shower scene gets chopped up, and we reveal 
the uh, not only are we getting these high angle point of view, these are pretty clearly point of view shots because they're coming literally from the area that we were going to find out the alien is in above Brett. But there's the moment where they cut to the alien dangling from the chains. And it was one of those moments I have these happen occasionally where I like literally look around the theater to see how everyone else is reacting to this <laughs> moment because it threw me off. I couldn't figure out what was happening. I thought, now, is this a change? Have I seen this before? I felt like I had, kind of. And then I thought, is this something that they shot recently? Because I could have very easily done that. Uh, and then I didn't know which version I'd seen anymore. But now that we're going back and looking at it this way, I say, okay, obviously, this is a big change that they've made. And, um, man, I don't like it at all. <laughs> I don't know. I could go on about I, uh, There's something I want to say about it particularly, but Bruce, you watched this as well. Uh, we watched it a little bit right before we started recording. What did you think of this change? Um, as a change, I don't think I like it either. I mean, I like the tension you get from holding on Brett that long, long take. It's like you want to look around the room, yet the, the long shot doesn't let you do that. So intercutting that with those other shots, I think, is not a great choice. I don't mind the shot of the alien if it wasn't part of chopping that long scene up because I don't feel like you know it's the alien. I th I feel like you just, but when your eyes really start to examine it, it cuts away. And you see some odd shapes, but the room's full of odd shapes. So I'm, I'm not sure it's a giveaway. If you know what the alien looks like, it's a dead giveaway. It's clear as day. Um, so on second, third viewing, it may be a little too overt. So I guess, you know, is Ridley Scott sitting in an editing room saying, I don't think the audience gets the aliens in this room yet with these quasi POVs, these upshots, this, all of our attention is toward these chains and water. Maybe they're not getting it. So we felt the need to add that. I don't know. I mean, I, I certainly get it, but I don't know that everybody does. Yeah. John, were you going to say, well, this something is to cap that. Yeah. This is what I think. I mean, I, I get that. I, and it's impossible for me to say, because like I said, I'd seen the movie before. I know what the alien looks like, but I, there's something about the iconic nature of when it is revealed, like in the original theatrical version. Sure. I think it's a splendid reveal when we get this, what we're going to get in the next minute with the alien rising up behind Brett. It's so good that giving away any of it at all to me is kind of a travesty. And maybe it's not quite as bad as the Jabba the Hutt scene in the special edition of Star mm. Wars. <laughs> and the reason why, there's many reasons why that's a terrible scene. Um Obviously, the CGI is terrible. The relationship between Han and Jabba is wrong. Um, there's just a lot of dumb shit happening in that scene. But yeah. the dumbest thing about it is that it reveals the Millennium Falcon before the reveal of the Millennium Falcon. It's awful. And to me, you got these moments that work so well. I mean, there's a reason why the theatrical version of Alien became a classic in the first place. Sure. The things that happened in it, the way they happened, struck the audience. And I don't think i don't know that moment when you see the alien for the first time you get that nice profile shot all this stuff we're going to talk about in another minute i don't think it would have worked the same had people seen even if they would that moment where they're taken away and they maybe don't know what they're seeing even taking their mind off of bread and off that tension you're talking about being built through the shower scene uh i think it would have thrown the whole thing off i think that the pacing of it was perfect in the first place is there a way that that cut if you saw less if you saw clearly something's there but it doesn't reveal is there any way that that would make that better? Well, I would say no, only because, even though this is in the next minute, since we're talking director's cut, I'll go ahead and, and say it now, you get a one-two thing with, actually a one-two-three thing with the alien mm -hmm. when it reveals itself. The first being 
that something comes up that looks like a tentacle. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out at some point that it's his tail. But so you have that first coming up. That's the first thing you see of the alien. And so you're like, whoa, what is, I have no idea what this is. Yeah. There's nothing, you know, quadrupedal or bipedal about it. Whereas when it's hanging up there, there's kind of a, a body shape. So that's would be my argument was the way the alien is revealed, like the Millennium Falcon, mm-hmm. gets kind of spoiled when you have that upper shot of him hanging there. Right, because if you don't know anything about this alien, like what it looks like, last we saw, it was a little penis-looking puppet, right? So now we don't have a clue. So when it drops from the ceiling and you get that tail, you go, huh? And then you get those spiny things out of the back, you're like, what the... And then finally you get the, what the hell is that? Right. Yeah. And I think that that one, two, three, we don't have to talk about the rule of threes, everybody knows, that's where it is. If you have this shot of it from the chains, then you go see that tail, you go, oh, that must be that thing that was up there. Yeah. And you just kind of go, I agree. oh, I see. I agree. I, oh, and, I get it. And yeah. you mentioned, we don't know as an audience, we're not, our expectation is, is the size of a cat. Mm-hmm. So that spoils that as well. Yeah. All right, so now that we've dispensed with the director's cut, does anybody else have anything else for this minute, or shall we move on to uh, to, the, to the alien itself? Well, let's move on to the alien. Let's see what it looks like. So, Bruce, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, you can find me at Branit.com, B-R-A-N-I-T.com. Uh, on Twitter, BranitFX.com. Um, and Bran- or BranitFX, at BranitFX, or BranitFX.com is my visual effects company. And you can find us at AlienMinute.com or on Twitter at AlienMinutePod. You can also follow us on Instagram at AlienMinutePodcast. And uh, we want to give a shout out, uh, as we do every week, to the Star Wars Minute for coming up with this format and loaning it out to us. You can also find other Minute podcasts at MoviesByMinutes.com. And we'll see you tomorrow for Minute number 68.